Dearly beloved, we gather here today to celebrate this thing called Trope on a Rope, the podcast where we dive headfirst into the lake of cinema tropes and forced metaphors, without hesitation, without fear, and without checking beforehand if this is the right lake. My name's Jeff, and I'm joined by Mr. Colin Gerrard, and on this special occasion, by Mr. Christian Stoner. So, we are on our second uh, week of looking at films where musicians are also actors in films that are not about them, but totally are about them. Um, Last time we looked at House Party, and this week we're looking at 1984's Purple Rain. 1984's Academy Award winning Purple Rain. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I know, wash my mouth out. I did write that down, I kept that for the end. (laughs) All right, shall we dive straight into the film then? Fuck it. Let's go for it. Before, before you start, before you start, I'm going to be very quiet and, and, and listen to Christian be amazing at all of the facts. <laughs> uh, got some facts. Yeah, I've, I I also did some uh, reading around as well, because this film is... Uh, there's there's a lot about this film. Yeah, I did the, did the reading around this stuff. It's not the research, but I, I know for a fact that Christian's going to have all of the facts. So. Yeah, no, I... I started because I, I wanted to sit down and write slightly better notes than I did last time for House Party. But then it's just this one. There's such a black hole of information around it. <laughs> you could disappear onto w- Wikipedia for days about this one. It's quite a movie. <laughs> it is quite a movie. All right. I've got me blurred for Purple Rain. Purple Rain follows the trials and tribulations of Prince the Kid Princington who's living at large as one of the three build artists at the prestigious First Avenue Club. Things are going great, or at least they would be, if not for his rival, Morris Day, who's actively gunning for him. It also doesn't help that the kid is an insufferable twat, a pretentious clown shoe, and the kind of unstable dick who fingers a girl one minute before backhanding the shit out of her the next. Also, at one point, it has an odd cameo featuring an infamous murder hotel in the background. So, Purple Rain, how did we feel about this film? I mean, not not a year goes by where it doesn't age twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> it was a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. It's a roller coaster. Christian, where does this film sit for you? I assume that you've seen this many, many a time. I yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's it's always a a difficult watch. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there is like lots of like all of the performances are incredible and like you know and. Uh, as the kids would say, iconic. Um, but yes, there is a, there is some enormous amount of eighties going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, all of obviously all of the weirdness and his like trying to get his persona across on screen. Yeah. Um, you know the fact that he's dressed in about seven million dollars worth of clothes and he <laughs> lives in a tenement building on the lower west side. <laughs> yeah. He's got like the most expensive motorcycle ever, <laughs> but but yet can't can't afford to buy a guitar. <laughs> yeah, which, which costs the price of a necklace. Yeah, there's um. Yeah, which which is the price of a, of an anklet, I believe. Yeah, it's an anklet. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's I mean it's always fun, but yeah, I mean it's you know it's eighties, it's enormously sexist. <laughs> can I yeah. can I just ask is is this a true story or is this like a kind of true story or what? It's I mean it's supposed to be. I mean his dad was a musician in real life. I don't know whether his dad used to beat his mum. Probably not. Maybe don't know. Made made for good drama. 
<laughs> I do have some notes on that. I was going to keep it for the end, but seeing as you've brought it up. Um, yeah, apparently his father was a bit of a dick in real life. It seems that there's like elements in this film that happened in real life, but they're not exactly in the same order. Like he did live in a basement, but it wasn't in his house, in his parents' house. He moved out and lived in someone else's basement because his parents were being dicks to each other all the time. Um, so, yeah, bits and bobs just in a different order. Is that man? I, I, I had no idea about Prince's life at all. All I knew of Prince was Prince. He's a fucking legend. He's he's just a fucking presence. He's Prince. The only thing I knew about Prince was the story that um, um, Kevin Smith tells about him. What did you think of the film then, Carl? Um, coming into the movie, I assumed it would be a big ego trip on uh, Prince's part, and I assumed it would be shit. And <laughs> I just assumed it would be him having a big ego trip, being, I'm fucking Prince, I'm amazing. So I, I, I yeah. came into this in a very, this is going to be shit kind of attitude. And it was yeah. shit at first. To be perfectly honest, it was slow. Right. It was fucking annoying. And then, <laughs> fuck, it got me. Is there a specific point? Because I think there's a specific, it's very similar to you. I think it started a certain way and then like at a point it changed gears. It'd be interesting to see if it's the same point. I don't know the, the exact point that happened, but I, I believe it's when he decided to, to, to uh... <laughs> fuck, that's a really difficult question. I mean, it's like I always used to say years ago, there's only three things that could make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and they are <laughs> when when D when Dylan's wife dies in Beverly Hills 90210, the end of West Side Story, and when he plays Purple Brain. <laughs> <laughs> For me, me okay. the turning point in the movie is when, it, when he goes, goes home and his dad shoots himself in the face. All right, okay. okay. Yeah, that didn't happen in real life. That didn't happen in real life. No, his dad, his dad actually duet called The Ladder on, on the next album in 1985, I believe, on a song called The Ladder. Um, at that point in the movie where, where the dad shoots himself in the face and he, and he fucking gathers himself together and decides to be less of a less of a selfish cunt, basically, and actually allow the other the other guys, to, the girls, to, to, to play their song. And when he plays Bubble Rain, fucking tears. I cried. I mean that that in itself is like is not in keeping with the movie, right? The fact that he gives the writing of Purple Rain to Lisa and Wendy is 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 a very strange like that's the pinnacle of the movie, but he doesn't write the song. Which it's a very like there's a lot of kind of giving with one hand and taking with the other that Prince does during <laughs> this movie. And that's that's probably you know, even how how where are we now? We're four, almost forty years since this movie came out. And it's still considered one of the greatest songs of all time. And in the moment, he gives the writing of it in the movie to, to other people. It's 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 not not a strictly a Prince move. But man, I, I, I love Purple Rain as a song already. I already love that song. That song makes me cry already. But in the context of his dad just killed himself and he's dedicated to his father, he's having he fucked up his relationships, he's and he finds in the context of the movie, that song made me fucking cry, man. That was a, that was perfect. Absolutely, fucking. Great. I mean, also, so going from the start, it's very interestingly 
starts with not just one opening song, Let's Go Crazy, but then immediately is followed by Jungle Love by the time. So almost before you've got <laughs> almost before you've got any dialogue at all or any story started, they've played two entire songs. <laughs> which is, is is an interesting way to start a movie for sure. And I, I also read that uh, they, they 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 said that um, they didn't want to play when, when doves cry. They thought that do- when doves cry would be a, would not be a good choice. But man, that fucking nailed. They nailed that as well. That that fucking really fits into the movie as well. Well, I and I think if you just if you take out the bit where they're playing when doves cry, I'm pretty sure that is the music video. Really? So I like I, I'd imagine that he managed to get the music video made for free by, by, by the studio. <laughs> uh- my reaction to this film was pretty similar to yours, Carl. Um, going, I wasn't looking forward to watching this. Um, I thought that it would be weird seventies, like eighties. Um, oh yeah, eighties. Um, like a weird eighties ego trip, pretentious, um, just painful to watch. Um, and yeah, it didn't start great. But yeah, by the end of it, I was fully on board. I kind of love this film. Yeah, do you know what? For, for the first, I, I say sixty percent of the movie, I was not on board with it. I was, I was, I was trudging through it. But yeah, man, at the end, I kind of fucking love this movie too. Man, fucking that performance at the end is unbelievable. On the fact that he plays, he plays, plays Purple Rain, and then he plays I Would Die for You straight afterwards, and then Baby I'm a Star. <laughs> and and again, like I think I think we touched on this with House Party with the kid versus play rap. Like somehow, and we're going to touch on it again with with Eight Mile. Like somehow, you're in a movie where you've got to write the best song in the entire world, and he just writes the best song in the entire world. <laughs> it's like how do people? If you could. If... If you could do that on cue, why aren't you doing it all the time? <laughs> like... the, the best thing is that the entire way through the movie, he has that song right from the beginning on the on the on the cassette, right? Yeah, yeah. And he absolutely. keeps trying to listen to it, and is he, he gets getting interrupted because his his dad's beating the shit out of his wife, his wife or whatever, and then he turns out keeps trying to listen to it, keeps trying to do it, but he fucking get, ah. and eventually he's like, oh, purple ring. <laughs> the lyrics come from nowhere. Shall we go to the film then? Um, yes, let's do it. Right, so I, I've separated it into nights and days because it seems to, it seems to follow that kind of thing. Like there's a night at the club, and then followed by what happens the next day. Um, Before you, can I ask one one question? Um, the, the guy, who's the guy? Uh, his his rival is that a real Morris Day? Morris Day, uh, is, yes. So I can give you a bit of background knowledge because I've just read Morris Day's biography. Um, not like today, but a few weeks here. Um, so Morris Day and Prince went to school together. Um, Morris Day was originally a drummer and played uh, played drums in Prince's band Grand Central where they would do like old funk covers of Sly and the Family songs. And Prince was obviously Prince even then, like really like mysterious, and didn't speak to anyone in the band. Um, but they ended up becoming, I mean, I guess friends as much as you can be friends with Prince. And then Prince kind of <laughs> created this, um, uh, this this character that, that is Morris Day, which a lot of people would, in fact, might say um, Prince's first wife in her biography. She says the character of Morris Day was actually Prince. 
like he he created the character of Morris Day as an outlet for his actual personality while he was being all aloof and mysterious. But actually, that funny guy is Prince. Um, yeah, so Morris Day is a real person. The time were a real band. Uh, another fun fact about this movie is that Prince refused to have any of the other songs on the album because he wanted all the money for himself. <laughs> like <laughs> if 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 Jungle Love and the Bird had been on the Purple Rain soundtrack, like Morris Day would have earned millions and millions, but he had to put them on his own album, Ice Cream Castles at the time, because Prince was like, yeah, I'm not sharing the royalties for this album because it's going to be number one forever. And he was right. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because I've got, I do, I, I have the album and um, yeah, none of the other songs um, turn up on it. So yeah. I know, and the, and the album's like nine songs. It's only got nine tracks. It's not like there wasn't room yeah. to whack a couple of time songs. <laughs> on there. I have to say even even Morris's even Morris's live live uh, acts on that are fucking. They're pretty fucking good, right? Oh, we know. Well, Prince Prince and Morris Day wrote. So Prince wrote the first Time album um, under a different name, which is escaping me at the moment. Uh, something Star. Ready? Yeah, I remember. Freddie, yes, Freddie Star. Um, <laughs> but he, yeah, he, he, he wrote the first album of the time completely before there was even members of the time. That he just wrote it for Morris as a vehicle for Morris to be a star, and then ended up uh, recruiting this band around him, which included Jam and Lewis, who were later went on to write all the Janet Jackson songs. They were like famous Janet Jackson producers. And then I went and saw Morris at the time about. Six weeks ago, it was awesome. He's sixty-five, still doing the moves. Man, Dude, awesome! I, I really wish I could see a live act where everyone's doing. Everyone in the background is doing the fucking dances, right? Fucking, that would be awesome. I did like the people on the balcony. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah, well they just left the, the formation like dancing that. on the balcony. <laughs> yeah. <It's> very <laughs> All right. The uh, on the opening night, there's um, there's three acts. The the three acts at the club are Prince and the Revolution, Morris Day and the Time. With Jerome Benton, who's was a hype man or something? I believe he's referred to as a valet. As a valet, all right, okay. <laughs> he is Morris Day's valet. He basically dances, percussion, and holds a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Des Dickerson and the Modernaires. Hi. The opening um, speech from what's the first song? Let's go crazy. Let's go crazy. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to co- get through this thing called life. Electric word life, it means forever. And that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. It's not how night works. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's a metaphorical <laughs> So, Prince and the Revolution, they're Prince, Wendy, Lisa, and then two dudes who they don't name, really. Yeah, they, they exist. They're, they're there the entire time, but no no one knows who the fuck they are. Dr. Fink is the keyboard player. During this opening scene, like especially during Prince's song, like it, there's a lot of things going on in the background, like um, Apollonia turns up in a taxi, and then she runs away from the taxi, gets a hotel room. Morris Day is in his hotel, and for the second week in a row, he's dancing whilst doing the hoovering. Yep, in, in, a, in a red vest. In a red <laughs> <shorts>. <laughs> she, she runs away from the taxi and then turns out she has a shitload of money in the wallet, so she could have paid. Oh, did she? <laughs> I didn't notice that. I didn't, I didn't clock that. 
Um, I do. One of my favorite characters is, is in this entire film is the announcer at the club. Is just there with a cigarette. He super doesn't give a shit, right? <laughs> but and he just he looks like the living dead. Like he's yeah. <laughs> it's like they got a homeless man at the last minute to replace the guy who was supposed to play it. <laughs> so... I've written in capitals: jungle love brackets dancers on the balcony. We've talked about that. Hell of a good dance though. And while we're on the subject of jung- jungle love, right? One of my favorite lines in any song in this movie is um, I'll take you to the crib, rip you off. <laughs> Jungle love. <laughs> nice. Don't they parody this at the end of... No, they don't parody it because I believe Morris Day and the Time is in this. This is at the end of a Kevin Smith film. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and has the dancers on the balcony. It's like a complete copy of this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, they well they mentioned him at the start, right? Because he's like it's handed down to, from God herself, <laughs> like, yeah. and so uh, yeah, because I'm a smooth pimp daddy, and he's my manservant. <laughs> so yeah, whilst whilst watching this show, um, Apollonia, who I'm just going to call Apples for the rest of this, like it shows this like weird triangle thing between her, Morris, and Prince, like. He's even Prince is jealous when she enjoys Morris's song. He's a jealous motherfucker throughout this entire movie. Yes. Yeah, Prince is a bit of a dick during this, isn't he? Oh, it, it, for the first the first sixty percent of the movie, he is a massive fucking asshole. I'm pretty sure he's an asshole in real real life. Oh yeah, he didn't have the greatest reputation no, in real he, life. He did he? He's a genius. Don't get me wrong, but bit of a cunt. I like my geniuses to be crazy. <laughs> that normally makes them better geniuses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, also in this film, um, there's a lot of people wearing sunglasses indoors at night. Yep. That's because they, it's because they can always see the sun <laughs> day or night. <laughs> it goes into the second... So Apples has turned up at the club to try and get a job. Um, and then she's just watching um, Morris stay in the time. And then Prince watches her watches Morris stay in the time. And then he fucks off for no reason. He goes home. We meet his parents. Um, he gets backhanded into a cupboard by his dad straight away, pretty much. His dad beats the shit out of him. Yeah, I mean, he's only small. <laughs> <laughs> he is only small. Uh, on the second day, Prince misses a meeting with between Morris Day and the club owner of First Avenue. And First Avenue is a real club, isn't it? Uh, it well, I don't believe it's open anymore. I, Prince bought it at one point, and it turned into a, a, to be owned by Prince. So originally, it was somewhere that he played when he yeah. was younger, and then I believe he bought it, and then I think it closed down. But don't quote me on that. Right. But I think so. So they're having a conversation um, and he's missed this meeting and Morris Day is basically, he's trying. they've only got three spots at this club and they're trying to force um, Prince out of it, out of his spot. And why aren't they trying to Why aren't they trying to get rid of the shit man that no one cares about? It's like, I've only got room for three bands. So how about these monkeys that no one gives a fuck about? We get rid of those. <laughs> yeah, Des Dickerson. Des Dickerson, you mean? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've got, I've got Prince and the Revolution, Morris Day and the Time, and some other dudes. Let's get rid of Prince and the Revolution. <laughs> he wants to be, he, he wants to be number one. That's why. Yes, absolutely. But you are right. get rid of the shit. So they want to get rid of him. Like the owner of the the club doesn't like him because his 
he keeps he keeps referring to oh he's not he makes songs only he likes and he's not packing it out like he used to be but this is after the scene where he did pack it out and everyone is going along with it and Seems it's hard pretty for busy me to, me. to tell <laughs> it's hard for me to tell in this film when prince does well and when he doesn't outside of the context of the lyrics like yeah i get during like um what's it called darling nikki that it's a bit dark but everyone's going along with it mostly yeah and it's amazing because everyone seems to be into it at the start and it's just when he starts losing his shit at the end of it but it does open with the line i met her in a hotel lobby masturbating with a magazine everyone seems fine with that bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's, yeah it's hard to track like how prince is doing and and isn't doing like musically speaking because i don't know anything about that really you know it's like Whenever, whenever Prince is fucking singing, he's amazing. So you can't like he's yeah. always amazing. So like, when when is he bad? When when is he good? There's always a crowd going, "You're fucking amazing." Yeah, there's a song in this, like the one before he sings "Darling Nikki." Um, it's "Computer Blue," I believe it's called. Uh, and like, it seems to be going completely all, all right. I mean, yeah, he's like half naked and wearing a face mask for some reason. Um, it seems to be going all right, but then it cuts. That was amazing. Then it cuts to the the owner of the place, and he's obviously not into it. And you're like, oh, so oh, so this is not going well. And then to the <laughs> cuts to the crowd, and it is going well. And cuts to Prince, and he's having a laugh. And then cuts to the owner, and he's not happy. And you're like, I, how are we supposed to feel about this? We take our cues from the club owner. <laughs> All right, Morris Day. He wants to make a girl group, basically, and his instructions are, are yeah, um, don't make it too racy, which is a note that they forget later on. Um, <laughs> when they all turn up in their underwear singing a song yeah. called Sex Shooter <laughs> I'm a sex shooter shooting love in your direction <laughs> so another interesting fact because I'm just going to chime in with interesting facts um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, have at it so Apollonia 6, the group which who ended up did um, release Sex Shooter was originally fronted by a girl called Vanity which legend would have it yes. was was uh, Prince's girlfriend, who then they broke up and had to replace her at the last minute in the movie with Apollonia, yeah. and so Vanity Six became Apollonia Six. Apparently, his girlfriend, um, the girlfriend at the time, when she was supposed to be in the movie, but then she ditched the movie to to go shoot another movie with someone else. Okay. And that the movie that went that she went to shoot like uh, failed miserably, and then she came back. W wasn't Purple Rain. <laughs> <laughs> Did Apollonia 6 do anything other than Sex Shooter? I don't have a feeling they had an album. You can track down lots of lots of TV live performances <laughs> of them in their underwear <laughs> from 1980. Um, so, the girl group, just to um, round them up. So, Morris, Morris wants to call Apples to the group, and she does join it. Um, he mostly wants her just because it takes her away from Prince. She just wants to be successful, but Prince just wants Apples, really. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, I think Morris Morris wants Prince out of the picture. Yeah. And he wants to make more money by owning the group that replaces them. Yeah. And he also wants to see asses shaken. <laughs> I need some perfection. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also mentioned in the same conversation about Wendy and Lisa that they are unhappy with Prince. Prince doesn't let them write contribute songs and that they have worked on a demo tape. Is it a whole song that they've written or is it just a riff? They just, they just write the music. I know that he listens to it a bunch of times throughout the film, but it it's just like the first opening bars of the song, isn't it? And then the, the rest of Purple Rain is completely different. Yeah, that's, that, that's all you hear on the tape. No, they, 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 write, 
they, they write music and uh, they want him to put a lyrics on it. Is, is what yes. I know Wendy also. Wendy, I know they play themselves. I thought she was an actual 80s actress. She looks like an 80s actress, Wendy does. No, Wendy and Lisa were, were, I believe, discovered by Prince, put in the revolution, and then went on to have a solo, well, a duo career. Um, but yeah, I spent the whole thing thinking that she was like Ali Sheedy or something, that she was played by someone, but she wasn't. Someone <laughs> <laughs> bitches Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Prince is a proper fucking twat to them. Very aloof. But to be fair, what, what you expect from Prince, right? The uh, the puppet thing is. Uh... Oh, the the puppet the puppet thing is amazing. <laughs> By the way, he, worst ventriloquist ever. Like the, the first the first time he does the ventriloquist thing, he has his mouth open, and then he closes yeah. his mouth, and still the puppet speaks somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was ADR. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And then it, like he just he looks looks at the puppet and does the. <laughs> He's a trick, like he has this thing of like he's a trouble artist and everyone is against him, but it is with good reason because he is a twat. <laughs> he's a fucking asshole. So it's really hard to root for him for most of this film. And like, he, even when he fucking gets with uh, uh, Apollonia, he's a fucking asshole the entire time. Yeah, so that's that's my next bullet point his uh, his courting of Apollonia. These two are. <sighs> <laughs> it it almost it's almost like Anakin and Padme levels, like Peter Parker, MJ. Those dickheads from Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Those dickheads from Twilight. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I mean, he like he drives her out to a lake, makes her take her clothes off, and then drives off. Did <laughs> you, you know? Did you know that? You know, he, he does that thing where you have to, you have to, you bathe yourself in. Or... Purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, they, they did that shot four times, and she actually got fucking pneumonia. Oh, really? That's funny. I mean, not for her. Yeah, no. So she gets naked, and he tells her that to uh, purify herself in the lakes of uh, waters of Lake Minnetonka, and then only later tells her that that's not the lake. Again, check first. She he, she gets in the lake, and then he immediately fucks off. He turns his bike. He nearly biffs it when he turns the bike around. By the way. Also, there's a shot. There's a shot where he stops, and he's got like this smirk on his face, where he's like, <laughs> "Fuck that bitch!" <laughs> and then she she starts to go after him, and he's he's like, "Yeah, got it. <laughs> it totally works." <laughs> like he um uh he jumps onto the road with the bike, gonna gonna fuck your suspension with that, and then even when he goes back for her, he does this like riding off like a half a meter riding up stop start stop start and you're just like oh you're a twat yeah you've already fucked her over enough uh, it's just that uh, we went past a little bit um the whole thing with the anklet he takes the anklet and he's asking her who gave it to her and she doesn't actually say anything she just says that somebody gave it to her you're a liar and he, yeah he, he right. says you're a liar I you're lying i can tell by your reaction she hasn't said anything you dick <laughs> <laughs> she said nothing <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts back before the second night it cuts back to morris day morris and jerome and the passwords they're talking about um oh my god tell me the password what's the password <laughs> the password is what massive ripoff of of the the baseball thing yeah who's on first yeah oh yeah okay that's it that's their version of who's on first absolutely um but it's i mean it, it, it's done in a very in such amazing Morris Day style. 
<laughs> and so, and so, so she comes in the club and I've probably got a couple of honeys <laughs> and you slide up to me and you say what okay the password is okay they end up abandoning the password theory and just pointing at her <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the second night <clears throat> was it mountain man mountain air what is that song that they're singing in uh, I, de- I believe the song is called Modern Air by Des Dickerson. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, he is the third act. Yeah. So, it's called Modern Air. Out in the bar, Apples meets with uh, Morris. And Morris is trying to serenade her. Uh, uh, Morris is trying to woo her to the band and impress her like by being flashy and shit. And the waitresses aren't having any of it. So he's trying. He's trying to woo her to the band, whilst Prince actually woos her, serenades her from the stage uh, with what is it? The beautiful ones. Uh, it's a hell of a tune. I did know. I think with the beautiful ones, it became apparent that like Prince is is a twat all the way through, um, but he only actually communicates what he feels through the songs. Yes, he's not very good with the words. <laughs> <laughs> he then meets her in an alleyway and then takes her back to his weird basement. Um, filled with random glass jars of what? I know fluids and shit. Is that the glass? Is that the shelves that he knocks the shit out of at the end? Yeah. Filled with something, people's organs. I don't know. <laughs> they listen to that weird tape. The re- the, re- the reverse crying one, where it sounds like they're laughing. Doesn't sound like they're laughing. <laughs> I think she says this is weird that you that you that you listen to this, and I'm like, you turned it on. Yeah, she turned it on. <laughs> yeah. but still, it's weird that he has it—a reverse tape of someone crying that he says sounds like uh, he says sounds like laughter. It does not sound in any way like laughter. Um, they meet in his weird basement, and then they fuck in his weird basement, and then the um, then it goes into the third day. Prince goes to rehearsals, and Wendy and Lisa, again, they're on it. And he, he probably lays into them this time. Yeah, no one wants to fucking listen to you, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, straight, straight into it. Um, then Morris Morris goes to Apollonia to actually get her into the, into the um, uh, into the girl band. At which point, this is the bit where it has the weird um, cameo by a murder hotel in the background. Yeah, you're going to need to explain this one. Yeah. Right, so this film is mostly shot in Minneapolis. So yeah, they did reshoots in LA. The director says uh, the the bit where she jumps into the lake, she jumps into the lake in Minneapolis, and then she gets out of the lake in Los Angeles. Uh, is that true? Because in the background, there's um, while she's while she's talking to Morris Day on the street, um, there is the Hotel Cecil, which is in the background. Okay, I've seen that documentary. Oh, yeah, which is a infamous infamous murder hotel. Yeah. And it's right in the background between them, the big sign. Oh, that's funny. Um, I believe I believe it's mentioned in that documentary that it's weird that it's in the background of Purple Rain at some point, a film that is not set in LA. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, I can, I'm going to... So in, what's the date? In three weeks today, I'm leaving on a road trip to Minneapolis to go to Paisley Park. Um, so I, I want to try and collect some, some Purple Rain places. So I'm going to go to where First Avenue was and I'll go to Lake Minnetonka, but even though Lake Minnetonka is not in the movie, I still feel like I need to go there. <laughs> Are you going to go to the kids' house? Um, I'm going to go to Paisley Park, Prince's house. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't. I wonder. I wonder if kids' house is actually from kids' old, from Prince's old neighborhood. 
What I do know is that he bought it. Is that true? He bought it a few months before he died. Um, and you can just Google it. It's just called the Purple Rain House. There is no fence around it. it no one lives there. It's got his symbol on the door. Uh, you can just go up to the thing. Okay, I'll I'll do that. <laughs> Prince listens to the tape again, uh, Wendy and Lisa's tape, whilst his parents are having an argument in the background. He tries to listen to it. Yeah, he uses the he does write Purple Rain based on their tape. The song is about his father and nothing to do with them, which I thought was weird. But then watching it again, or while well, watching this scene again, because he turns the music up to cover the sound of them arguing kind of like associates the song with them arguing all the time or fighting yeah i actually thought that that part was kind of genius oh yeah and then the the fight spills down into the um into the basement yeah is uh yeah his dad just kicks the shit out of her and then prince t-bones him into a wall and then he sits there and he starts quoting things that turn up in later songs like, um, I would die for you. Um, there was something else he says at some point. This is one of the things I actually really like about this movie. Though. There's, there's loads of things that, that turn up that happened earlier, like little quotes that he mentions in the Purple Rain song later. It's like fucking foreshadowing that I didn't even see happening. I'm not sure if there's like a couple of days that are stitched together here, but there isn't like another night at the club for a bit. Um because like the next scene is like apples breaks in uh sneaks into his apartment i assume it's like a day later at least um and gives him the guitar yeah and, and, and then yeah immediately smacks the shit out of her when she says that um says about the band uh about the apollonia six when you first watched it the, like when he suddenly slaps the shit out of her um like i was that's the point for me that's where i switched and I was like, "Oh, fucking he- hello! What's going on here?" I was turned into his dad. But there's two. There's two points. There's two points where he wants to slap the shit out of her. There's one point where he does. He slaps the shit out of her, and he feels bad about it. Then there's later when she's wearing the lingerie, and he's gonna slap the shit out, of her, and he doesn't. Christian, how did you feel when you first saw this film, and then like it suddenly, like he suddenly turns into such a prick and starts hitting her? I mean, again, like it's difficult to tell. I think as time goes on, because it's such an eighties film, like how how you would have viewed it in nineteen eighty four when the world was a little bit more misogynistic, and like a lot of the things that he does, I think wouldn't have been quite so. Uh, you can't do that, <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was, I think it, it it takes on a bit of a different meaning now. Um, so I think I, I mean I think when I was young and I first watched it, I didn't really think much of it. But also yeah, I was a kid, so you just think, well, that's that's what parents do, and that just beats mum up. <laughs> but, but, but do, you, do you see my point? Where like that that one point where he he actually slaps her in the face out we're, we're, like. Reflect, uh, reflexively he fucking slaps her in the face then later on he's going to slap her in the face when she's wearing that lingerie and he decides not to I think this is the, his way of saying that I'm, I'm, I'm learning I'm learning how yeah, I'm not going to be like my father my natural reaction is to be like my father but I'm better than him Yeah. you go through the start and you're like okay what is this film about uh, will he keep the sp- his spot at the club um, will he um, come around and let uh, Lisa and Wendy take part and be more collaborative? And 
this is a fairly low stakes thing for a film to be about. Will he be less of a cunt going forward? And then when that happens, you're like, oh, it's whether or not you'll be your father. Yes. Yeah, it turns from being like cool as ice, the vanilla ice movie, <laughs> into actually being about something. Then it changes at the end where he, he does become his father, but he does better than his father. And he actually does the thing that his father wanted to do. He becomes what his father wanted to be. Which is probably where it where it overlaps with real life, I would imagine, because his dad was a musician as well, who didn't do quite as well as Prince, obviously, because we've heard of Prince. <laughs> but but that's, that's, that's the point where, where, he, where he sings that fucking... When he, when he sings fucking Purple Rain, that, that's where I cried. Not not just because not just because it was purple rain, but because of all this shit where he Well that's the that's the apex of the movie. No, you're absolutely right. I mean that is that there's there's a lot of emotional stakes, you know, and to be able to to, to be able to have the song Purple Rain to slide into to, to the apex of all of the emotional side of the story is just you know, it's part of part of the genius. So um on the fourth day we have the get your shit together montage where he just drives around to the sound of purple, uh, not purple rain, uh, when doves cry. This is angry scene, right? I read um, that this, this song, he just needed another song to cover this montage and that he basically wrote it in like an afternoon or a long weekend. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I'm pretty sure Prince writes hit records when he's having a shit. <laughs> uh, well, interesting interesting facts about When Doves Cry is that it has no bass on it. There was, there's no bass line to When Doves Cry. And when he recorded it, they were just like, thought he was insane. It's like, you can't, you can't release a song that's got no bass on. That's, that's the dumbest thing ever. And then it was When Doves Cry. So fuck you, everyone else. Also, what does it sound like when doves fuck? It's it's them crying backwards. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where Prince is properly losing it. Um, it's the fourth night. Uh, that's when he does the Computer Blue and Darling Nikki song. Computer Blue, it's fine. Contextually, from what the lyrics are of Darling Nikki and how he acts on stage, yeah, he's he's a fucking Fruit Loop at this point. Um, and can, can tell that he's losing it. Um. But again, no one in the audience except for the owner of the club and Apollonia seem to be reacting negatively to anything that's happening. Yeah, everyone else thinks it's awesome. <laughs> so the Taste Club with the Apollonia Apollonia Six, Apollonian Six, Apollonia, Apollonia, Apollonia Six, and Sex Shooter. Again, the 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 not too sexy note was forgotten. Um, and old people are rocking onto this, no doubt. There's no. T- there's loads of grannies in the audience going, yeah, fucking more. It's just like there's three chicks in their pants. They're, well, they're just sitting there thinking, where's the other three? It said six. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit, yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's there any three people? I mean, Apollonia 3 does sound rubbish. <laughs> Prince has seen that she's successful and like he's 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 had his ride around the countryside um, to get his head together, um, he takes all of this to heart and he buckles down and he gets his shit together. Only joking, he nearly runs over Morris and uh, kidnaps Apollonia. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so yeah, Morris and Apollonia, drunk as fuck in an alleyway, tries to run over Morris. He beats he, <laughs> and then he just manages to talk apples into going with him. 
to an area that I can only describe as the perfect place to murder a hooker. <laughs> Uh, so, Colin, you you were saying that like this part of the film, like so, compared to the bit where she knocks, uh, he knocks the fuck out of her uh, in the basement. Like at this point, he gets like a slight. He does pull back, but he does a load of other crook shit. Yeah, I, I think this is the point where he he kind of uh, gets a epiphany. He's about to hear, and he goes, "I don't want to be with my father." He knocks the knocks the the alcohol out of her hand. Then he's about to rape her, and then she, he decides to to not rape her. And I think at that point, that point where he's about to slap her back, back slap her with her hand, and decides not to, he decides, Do you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be my father. So Prince goes home. This is probably the darkest bit of the film. Then um, where Prince goes home and his father kills himself in front of him. This is the only good part of the movie. Everything before was bullshit. Really, this is your cutoff point. No, everything afterwards. This is the point where the movie goes good. Really? Because this is quite close to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <But laughs> All right, fair this, enough. This is, the reason, this is the reason I like the movie. There's a scene where he is surrounded by the police, and the police are like talking, talking at him as he's just sat there, surrounded by them. And it was only the second time I watched it that I noticed that they're pl- in the the background is that weird backgrounds tape backwards tape the crying one okay good spot i thought that it was a good depiction of mental illness because there's definitely something wrong with prince generally well the kid i'll say generally and then this thing is very close to pushing him over the edge like that bit where he's sat there looking at the chalk outline the tape outline of where his father lay and then the rope in the corner and then the yeah. chalk outline and then the rope in the corner and he's just like oh, you, it's very it's very easy to hop step to do something bad he shows one, 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 one slip of him hanging himself. Mm. He, yeah, he sees that and uh, well, he imagines that. Um, and then he just, he, like his father, though, he then chooses violence, then beats the shit yeah. out of the room itself. This is the point where, for me, where the movie gets good. This is the reason I like this movie. I, I would have given it from the first hit. Uh, when he hits Apollonia the first time, that's when it changed for me. Uh, I did. Okay, so I thought you meant let's go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I can watch it from the beginning now and enjoy the whole thing. But yeah, no, that's when I first watched it. It was from when he first hit Apollonia that I ch- changed it into, oh, hello, actually, this is quite good. Yeah. No, from when he hits Apollonia, it becomes a good movie. From when this part happens is when it becomes a good story. It gets to the final day then, and I, I suppose this is the uh, the the money shot. He finally plays Wendy and Lisa's song. I still don't think it sounds like the whole of Purple Rain, but never mind. Um, what, what? Dude, 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 listen, listen, listen. It's the point of the entire movie. <laughs> listen to the cassette. Listen to the cassette again. It is fucking, it is the exact same chords of, you're an idiot. All right, okay. I'll sit All right. I'll do this, and then when you watch, uh, when you listen to this episode, finally, then whether or not I cut out all reference to that is whether or not I I, I did that. Um, you can even see the process. He, he listens to the tape. Mm. He plays the fucking piano. He gets the chords on the piano. Then he mm. fucking plays the song. I mean, Colin's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> I'm outvoted on this one. All right, uh, we get to the final night. Morris opens with the bird. Fucking tune. Yeah, all you need is two arms and an attitude. 
Also, uh, the best lyrics to any chorus ever. Squawk, hallelujah, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit after the song in between. Because uh, Marse and and his um, entourage, they're going through the corridors all like giving it large. And then it keeps cutting to Prince and the revolution. Very quiet and reserved in the uh, in there. How bullshit is is it when he comes back and he, he says to her, "How's your family?" After his dad's just fucking shoves. Oh, what a cunt! Yeah, pretty dark. After uh, as he walks past the door, he, he walks past the door and he comes back and goes, "How's your family?" Who is it? <laughs> who, is it who says what? that? It's Morris Day, isn't it? Who says that? Yeah, yeah it's Morris Day. Then you, then you see him later in the hallway feeling bad about it. Yeah, immediately. That was going to be my my um, follow-up question because I, I only noticed on the second watch that it was um, that he stops in the corridor afterwards. I'm just like, why did he stop in the corridor? And maybe I fast-forwarded past the he says something crook and then immediately regrets it. And then Purple Rain, the song. Personally, and right, I'm just going to be out of... It's like I don't like the song Purple Rain. Why? It's like the weakest song in the film. <laughs> Is this the day this podcast ends? <laughs> it is, I just, I just have to say, I've never been a Prince fan. Yeah, but I, I, I always loved Purple Rain. I never appreciated Purple Rain more than when I watched this song. That song made me cry. Like when I, man, with all that backstory behind it, if that, if that is the actual backstory, I actually, I squeezed out at least three tears. It's a record. Man, that song, man. I, I, I even put on my Spotify as one of my liked songs. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Um, I mean, it's, it's a massively overplayed song, right? Maybe. I did listen to it before I watched the actual film. So maybe because I had it out of context first, I was like, so like he says he just says purple rain a lot. <laughs> so maybe out of, out of context, I, I, I ruined it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. The entire song encapsulates the entire movie. It's one it's of the hard. only reasons I like the movie. <laughs> Give it another spin. Maybe you'll like it this time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, at the end of Purple Rain, though, there's a lot of arm waving. I can't remember if they start with lighters or, or not. Um, I believe so, but he turns he turns everyone around, even Morris, even Morris in the crowd. <laughs> I suppose Morris was also like starting to be like, ah, oh, I've crossed the line myself here with the with the father dig. Jeff, yeah, Jeff, you, you still don't get purple ring. I'll watch it again. <laughs> Come back to me next week when we talk about eight mile. We'll we'll wait. You <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like he should have let us into the I don't like purple rain before we did the book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just me with the music. I mean, like I've said throughout the film that like I don't know like musically where in the context of the film when it's supposed to be good and when it's supposed to be bad, because I'm just listening to it going, it's just a kick ass print song. But then when everyone turns around and goes, This is the greatest thing since sliced butter with the last song, I'm like out of all of them, it's the one that I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. What you should do is not not think about anything, just watch it, listen to, just listen to the song. Or maybe you could replace that stone in your chest with a heart, bitch. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
so basically the the takeaway from this is the takeaway from this is this is a film that I went into that I didn't like. I didn't think I would like. I ended up quite loving it, but then completely missed the point by not liking the last song. <laughs> uh, and then the final song, uh, I Would Die For You, uh, intercut with him, like, sorting out his father's papers. And the greatest ending freeze frame I've seen in years. Yeah, it's pretty dope. So is there anything else about this film that we, we haven't mentioned yet? I've got some things about, like, behind the scenes, uh, but um, anything that we didn't cover from the actual film? Let's say one thing. Well, I really wish that I, I I got to see Prince live. Just see him spinning around and fucking dancing like a motherfucker and just climbing on the. Oh man, I really wish I could go see that. I saw him live eleven times. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, I oh. hate you very much right now. So interesting things to point out, I think, is that a. The Purple Rain is Prince's sixth album. So probably this is kind of like when he really solidified himself. But really before this, you know, Controversy had come out, 1999 had come out. But Purple Rain was really the thing that broke him. Now, in this day and age, you don't get five albums <laughs> before you make your big good album, right? You don't, it, mm. that doesn't, there's no, there is no musical journey that happens anymore where Purple Rain is your sixth album. Like, if Purple Rain's not your first album, you're fucked, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. Also, I, I believe, uh, I need to clarify this, I think he's 23 in this movie, which, like, yeah. because Prince has always looked the same age, you forget <laughs> that when he, when, he, yeah. when he actually looked 23, like, the first time he looked 23, he actually was. <laughs> uh, hang on a second. 25 but still i mean you know at 25 seriously to a on your sixth album at 25 yeah. that the, the last three songs of uh, the end of the end of the movie mm. the last three songs of the movie it's just it's just a sick fucking performance there's nothing that like there's there, there are very few fucking bands that have that fucking presence that Oh, man. Um also um, when 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 we when we put this podcast down, um I go all of you go to YouTube and and YouTube Baby I'm a Star Jeff Cohen. So Jeff Cohen played Chunk in the Goonies. <laughs> There's an amazing version of him at the age that he was Chunk doing Baby I'm a Star. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, also, interesting footnote talking about the Goonies. Uh, all the way through the Goonies, Corey Feldman is wearing a Purple Rain t-shirt. Holy shit. All right. Facts. <laughs> that, that, facts. That's a, does that count as a um, uh, uh, bacon number? Because I do have a bacon number for Prince. What's, what's a bacon number? No, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay. <laughs> How many jumps... How many jumps between Prince and Bacon? Do you have, do you have any guesses? Yeah, I, well, I think but it must be one, surely. I don't know why, but <laughs> what do you mean? He, you think he was in a film with Kevin Bacon? No, there's there's one. Oh, doesn't it mean that means there's one person in between them? No, how many jumps? Two. Oh, okay, so two then. Uh, yeah, two. It is two. Yeah, so he he has another one of his own own films called Three Ga Chains of Gold. Yes, with Kirstie with Alley, 
Kirstie Alley is in is in Three Chains of Gold. Uh, and she's in she's having a baby with Kevin Bacon. There you go. Yeah. He's also he's um under a cherry moon that's got Kristen Scott Thomas in it, who would later yeah. win an Oscar. So there's gotta be lots of degrees of separation you can get through her. Yeah, no, she's also a two. Yeah, I didn't know, write down the answer for um, the connection hey, of that guys, one. But there's guys, like three twos. You guys seem to be smoothing over the fact that I fucking nailed it on two. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you get a point. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so how did this film do when it came out? It was... Da, 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 da. Well, uh, there was mixed reviews at the time. The mo- modern scores for this are Rotten Tomatoes is 71%. Um. IMDb, and I'm starting to notice that I don't have to edit IMDb scores in my um, reviews because they always seem to be 6.5. <laughs> like the last five films we've done, it's been 6.5. I don't have to change the numbers ever. Um, but yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is 71. It's like the c- consensus is it's uneven, but it's also great and historical. Yeah. Made $70 million, and I'm pretty sure it probably cost one. So <laughs> it co- I did look it up, it cost seven. Yeah, so it, it 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 made ten times what it what it cost. Which was, uh... Yeah, and the seventy million was just in America, so that's all right. Um... I mean, with with my with my phone, I could make that movie now by with with the cost of how much it takes me it cost me to take a day off work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's out of ten, Jeff. Out of ten. I really like this. Uh, I'm going to go eight and a half. Christian? Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it an eight. I'll give it. I'm going to go with eight and a half as well. I mean, if, you, if you're talking about the movie, I mean, it does have the best soundtrack of almost all time. So I mean, that does, that could bring it up more, but as just as a movie. I'm only, I'm only going by, by the, the last 10 minutes. It was a three going into the last ten minutes. You did really have that change rise at the end, didn't you? Yeah, man. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if I judged it before that, it would have been like a fucking three. Really, that low? But man, no, I was... as, soon, as soon as that that change happened, man, it really hit me. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Can I ask, House Party yeah. or Prince or this one? I mean, for me, House Party holds up better, is less dated. <laughs> is it? Maybe I just prefer the 90s to the 80s. <laughs> if, you had to, if you had to choose, you're in Desert Island, you have to choose one movie, which one would you choose? For me, for me I think House Party is more, is more watchable r- repeatedly yeah. than Purple Rainers. But, you know, Sweet tunes. <laughs> I th- I think they serve different purposes, but if gun to head, yeah, probably house party. I think I go with the with with a. I think it was Prince. You go with Prince Purple Rain. But you, but you hated three quarters of the movie. <laughs> You're just gonna keep watching the same movie <laughs> that you hate over and over again, waiting for the last ten minutes. I totally love. I totally love the last. I totally love the twenty last twenty five percent. Fair enough. That you did. There are there is a sequel to this. Oh no, no! Don't talk about. It. So there are several other Prince films. 
um some that are just like uh, visual albums like um three chains of gold which are like uh music videos that are loosely tied together with a threadbare plot but there is um I think Purple Rain is the only film that he's in that he didn't direct, and then he took over directing, and then never really got as good as this one. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have done that. Um, Under a Cherry Moon is is a hoot, um, but not very good. Uh, Graffiti Bridge, I, the biggest Prince fan you know, <laughs> have never made it all the way through Graffiti Bridge. And Graffiti Bridge is the one that is an official sequel to this, right? <laughs> it is indeed, yes. Ah, okie dokie then. <laughs> it's, um, a, it's, a, it's a tough watch. <laughs> when when Prince died, um, MTV played a music marathon, played all of his songs exclusively for like a day and then ended it with a showing of Purple Rain. Uh, VH1 played the film for several days, so did several cinemas as well. Um, he bought that house, like I said earlier. Which, if you look on Google Maps, the people leave flowers on the doorstep all the time of that place. I could do that in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Um, there is there is a uh, the Nigeria or Nigerian. I can't I can't remember which one it is. Um, there is a Nigerian film that's uh about a nigerian guitarist but is also a homage to purple rain oh wow it's basically a copy of it's basically a copy of purple rain but about a different guy and that's what we're watching for next week and the title of that is rain the color of blue with a little red in it (laughs) um which is fun um also on the purple rain wikipedia page it says that eight mile the next film that we're watching is based on Purple Rain, but Eight Miles Wikipedia page does not mention this. Interesting. Um. All right, okie dokies. Um. Colin, where can people find you if they were so inclined to go take a gander? Japan. Japan. Fair enough. Are you putting any of your um Fuji Rock photos on uh, your Instagram? Oh my god, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> we're in the show right. I did spot that earlier. All right, guys. Uh, see you next week. Bye. Yeah, good to see you guys. I'm going to go play baseball with my daughter now. All right, I'm going to watch TV with my son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass out. We all have plans. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have goals. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you next time. Take care, dudes.